Welcome to All the Things with Monique Dusan from the Center for Biblical Unity and theology mom, Krista Bontrager. And now, here's Krista and Monique. Good afternoon and welcome to All the Things, the show where we talk about all things related to God, the Bible, and real life. I am Monique Dusan. And I'm Krista Bontrager, also known as Theology Mom. And we're on a two-shot. We are. And we're on at three o'clock in the afternoon, Pacific time. This is just all kind of different. It is. It is. But we're enjoying it. Yes. We are glad that you are here. Thank you for being with us. Make sure to like and share the show. And we are also thankful for our moderators for being here in the chat as well. Yes. And we are super excited for tonight's show. Today's show uh, It's our first in-studio guest for all the things. Now we've all, we did one other show where we had it we had a live guest. That was when we did the Women in Apologetics conference when we had your friend Lanej on. Do you remember that? Yeah, but that wasn't here. That was no. that was in like a huge church. Yeah, it was in Florida. Yeah. But this is our first live guest in the studio. Yes. Yes, yes. So Bob's if, been working all week changing it all around. If you can't tell, we are very excited. We are very excited. There must not be a lot of things that get us going, but this is one of them. (laughs) So we are very excited for tonight's show. Uh, We're going to be talking to our friend, Kelly Ski. Welcome to the show. Welcome to our house. Oh, I'm excited (laughs) to be here. Thank you guys for having me. No, we, and you're welcome. We're glad to have you. It's our honor to host you. Um, For those of you who may not know, Kelly actually was on the Theology Mom podcast where you guys talked about social-emotional learning. Was it social-emotional learning? Comprehensive sexuality education and kind of like what's going on in the public schools. Well, we've invited Kelly back to have a, a broader conversation about what's happening in schools in regards to community schools. Community schools is a hot topic right now. Nancy Piercy just put out, uh, or not put out, but she was just interviewed. And I think that interview is on Rumble. I saw someone send it to me on yeah. on the Rumble platform. But community schools is a big topic. And so we want to have more in-depth conversation. And Kelly is an amazing guest and deep researcher into all of these things. Kelly, can you tell us just a little bit about who you are for those who may not have seen Theology Mom podcast? Yeah, and how you got interested. You as a mom got interested in researching and doing a deep dive and posting on Twitter and becoming a Twitter person. (laughs) Twitter person, yes. Yes. Uh, Yeah, you know, it's an interesting uh, journey that I never anticipated I'd be on, but I'm thankful where where this journey has taken me, what God has done. But I started in 2016 uh, finding out from a friend that the principal was doing a new program at the school every day. And where your kids were attending at the yeah, time? Yeah, okay. uh, our oldest was in school and our youngest was in preschool and then our youngest joined the school. Um, but every day without any parental consent or knowledge, the school had started encouraging the student body to empty their mind. And each day, the last 10 minutes of the lunch recess were eliminated. And the principal would lead the students into mindfulness meditation using a Tibetan singing bowl. And so that is what kind of started my journey of trying to figure out what's going on. What's happening every single day in my kid's school. And (laughs) yeah, yeah. Here you are sending your kid to school to have his mind filled with all of the, you know, education and reading 
the knowledge. Math, what is it? Math, reading, and arithmetic, they used to say. Reading, writing, and arithmetic. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. That's before my time. Um, and now your kid is being encouraged to empty his mind, and they're doing, uh, like, the Tibetan mindfulness, like the mm, like that? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially, yeah, the, the whole student body would sit each day, and uh, they would be led into mindfulness meditation. And initially, the school was going to bring in Mind Up curricula, which is really from the actress Goldie Hawn. And I began looking into that some, but... In that curricula, each teacher is trained. They get their own small Tibetan singing bowl, and the students meditate in the lotus position in class about three times a day. So sort of on-ramp Buddhism. Yeah. See, this, this is where parents really need to be involved in understanding what is happening in their kids' school and asking important questions as to what happens during recess and lunch. Can I come in? Can I have lunch with my kid? You know, like, how do parents actually understand what's happening. If they're not asking these questions, it's important to ask the questions. But another thing that comes to my mind from a couple of shows ago, we had Katie Faust on, and she mentioned the theology of getting fired. Mm -hmm. Teachers, because there are Christian teachers who will kind of secretly go, go along with like, it's not really hurting anybody or things like that. We need to understand that you gotta have a theology of getting fired if, if Where's that you're- your principal is encouraging you to lead your kindergartners, 12th graders, I don't care, through this mindful Tibetan yoga, mindfulness, mumbo jumbo. That's not okay. And as believers, it's not okay. Anyway, that's just a rant. Sorry. But what's interesting to me about your journey, Kelly, is what started with that issue then started leading into other issues that you started Mm -hmm. researching And you're so far down the rabbit hole now that you've kind of turned this into a little cottage industry for yourself. (laughs) Yeah. In December of 2018, I learned sex ed had changed in California. Mm -hmm. And so I began researching that, connecting with other people in the state. And that really took off into trying to understand not just this wasn't just California. This was the whole world. Yeah. Yeah. And that this particular sex ed was incredibly graphic and explicit and designed to be this way and uh, rooted in some different theories, critical theories. And then after that, it was, yeah, more topics, understanding what's the teachers union up to? What are they promoting? understanding uh, ethnic studies and equitable math. And then that led me ultimately the last just over two and a half years onto this topic of community schools. So when you're thinking about what you're talking about there of the uh, comprehensive sexuality education, I want to make sure people can go back, listen to our deep dive into that. So our moderators can put in the chat a link to I think I entitled it the education mega episode because I think it was almost 90 minutes that you and I talked because there was just so much. But in like the last seven minutes of that, we just barely mentioned the whole school, whole child model and community schools. I said, I got to have you back so we can explain that and unwrap that riddle. So that's what's landed us here today to really get into kind of the next evolution in public schools. Yes, absolutely. And it's been interesting because through this journey, I had developed this diagram, it's a triangle, 
just to try and help parents understand there's three major components happening in education. And those components are all integrated into one another. And then by design, they're spread into every subject in school. So for example, social emotional learning, comprehensive sexuality education, and critical theories and critical pedagogy have this interconnected framework. And then that forms a foundation for what the community school model is really all about. Very good. Yeah. So, or, go ahead. Well, I was still stuck on the um, the equitable math. I was like, is that like black math? <laughs> <laughs> Where one plus one might equal me new shoes? That, I don't know. <laughs> two plus two can equal five. <laughs> I'm... That's a whole, that's a different episode. That's I a different show. Yeah, that's do that. another that show. Good. But what is the goal of community schools, and how should we be thinking about them? I know we have a graphic to show in just a minute, but I'm wondering if you can help just help us think through the goal of the the project overall. Okay, uh, so community schools, and what I always tell parents is to make sure you understand there's a there's a marketing pitch to all of this. So. There's language to decode and marketing to analyze, and then to understand what the reality of the model is. A community school uh, is a combination of the Center for Disease Control and an organization that falls under education called the Association for Supervision and Curriculum Development. They go by, many of these organizations go by acronyms, ASCD. And this combines health and education for equity, health equity, and education equity. And the goal is all government social services now are designed to transform the public school into being the nucleus or the hub of every community where all these government social services exist. And then you've got this framework called, they call it WISC, very much like a kitchen WISC. And it's WSCC, whole school, whole community, whole child. And so there's there's goals already in California. Uh, Horace Mann in San Francisco is already piloting housing. Um, in in my community, um, up in, in the central coast of California, the schools already have a lot of washers and dryers. We're already seeing statewide and in many other states, full service health clinics, which is the predominant focus and feature of these schools. Health clinics so that children can get health care without their parents present. Mm -hmm. And some of these ideas present even go so far as to say so that children can make healthcare decisions about their own bodies. Mm -hmm. Which we're gonna get get into. Right. Yeah. And why do why does a child need a washer and dryer at the school? I'm confused. I don't know. I feel like I can make an argument for that. Speaking from a social service position. I mean, I don't think that a washer and dryer has to be nefarious. I, I just think, don't know what it would be. Well, what you would be doing. If you think about like low income children or ch- homeless children, they don't. It's embarrassing. Like it's embarrassing to come to school and smell. And so if I know that, you know, I can stick a couple of things in my backpack and after school or before, if I get to school a little early, I can just wash them really quick and then it can just be my business and the school's business, then the fact that I'm sleeping in my car with my mom doesn't have to be so debilitating and embarrassing okay, because I can at sense. least be clean. Okay. Like I've known of homeless students who will get to school early so that they can shower in the locker rooms. Right. You know what I mean? So I don't think that the washer and dryer must be nefarious. I think it can be. I think it can be an issue. But 
you know, in this case, I would say it probably is an issue. I don't know that it needs to be. Okay. Yeah. So we got a graphic here from the state of New York just to kind of illustrate some of the things that Kelly's highlighting. So this is from the New York City public school website. This is a live website. It's not a screen cap. So what their definition is of a community school here in the very first sentence is a community school is a partnership between school staff, families, youth, and the community to raise student achievement by ensuring that children are physically, emotionally, and socially prepared to learn. So the focus here is on achievement and learning. This is how the marketing is is being put forward. Right. And it, it says to raise student achievement. And that in and of itself, one must ask, what is the achievement? Mm-hmm. What is their belief of achievement? Mm-hmm. What are we what are we achieving? And then it talks about ensuring first that children are physically, emotionally, and socially prepared to learn. And so what we're dealing with, too, is we're dealing with a widespread institutional capture hmm. that embraces certain belief systems and worldviews. And this idea of having the physical, emotional, and social, it's it sounds very inviting. It yeah. sounds really wonderful to provide all of these things for students, but it's often in that provision, in that help, that there's very serious concerns that we'll discuss. Well, let's look at this graphic here and have Bob um, have you scroll down a little bit because this kind of is a visual depiction of what you're saying. So you have the school, but it's serving as a hub for other services. So we might have after school programs, which most of us are familiar with, but then there's other things on here that I'm like, I'm not sure what this is. So we've got health services, We've got vision services, data tracking, mental health, community engagement, family engagement. All of these things now are the school is acting as a hub for all of these things. And I'm sure there's an interpretation behind each of those things. Yes. And it's interesting because some people do talk about, for example, family engagement being a way to engage like what is in that? the child's family. But I've also heard people talk about how family could also be the school family and the yeah. chosen family mm-hmm. oh. through an allyship idea. And and this really embraces the ideology of, of the gender ideology that's really rampant today. Um, when it's talking about health services, we often will hear the marketed model of dental and vision. Uh, sometimes we'll hear about physical exams, well-child visits kinds of thing. Um, but a predominant feature of community schools is actually the advancement of what is uh, an acronym is SRHR, which is a global focus, sexual and reproductive health and rights. And when they say reproductive, that is code, code language at the global level for abortion. Hmm. Um, and then sexual and reproductive health and rights is going to include their language, not mine, this model of not just infused gender ideology ideas through comprehensive sexuality education and material. But we're also talking about school health clinics that are wanting to provide shapewear, Mm. chest binders. Mm. And once the legislation permits puberty blockers and hormones, 
I probably don't want to know what a shapewear is. Well, I was thinking if they gonna provide shapewear, maybe I need to go to school. Maybe I need to re-enroll. Cause yeah, but never mind. I think you're yeah. She she said chest binders. Yeah. Now you you've mentioned a couple of times about this coded language or you know this is code for that. What are some of the key words or coded language that would help? just a regular person understand when a community school or the, the idea of community schools is at, at play in public? Absolutely. So the community schools um, is on the CDC's website um, under CDC and, and WISC. It's also referred to as healthy schools. Okay. And well, there- why is the CDC in the school business? I'm confused. So this is all mm -hmm. to, this is a combined effort, 100%. We used to see healthcare and education as completely separate entities, mm -hmm. but this is a full combination. Actually, today I've recently been hearing that health officials are starting to join the teachers union through this combination oh, wow. of health mm -hmm. and education for equity. And in this plan, what happened is that back in the like about 1987, there was this coordinated school health model that incorporated all these different elements. WISC is the update and advancement of that model where you have all these additional components, which now is 10, one of which is mental health. And so that is also another word, mental health, that I hear of and I immediately know that relates to WISC. The data tracking that you mentioned on the yeah. website. Oh, the data tracking. Many people may not realize that so there is a school district in my county that is already piloting software and many other districts are starting to do this. And what they're doing is they're having staff take an analysis of a child's bio, psycho, social, emotional, uh, you know, their observations of every single school day. And then that can be accessed by different government entities, not just school officials, but mm -hmm. we're talking about state politicians or state leaders in government, but also federal. And understanding that every school district has these issued laptops for the most part for students, every search term, everything that they fill out in a survey, every single thing they type or text in chats, that is all data that is being gathered on kids their emails that they send, Google Classroom, Google Docs, all of this. And the interesting thing, earlier I mentioned how this is the CDC and the Association for Supervision and Curriculum Development combining. ASCD is actually a global organization. And they recently, uh, it was in 2022, combined with a, another organization, ASCD did. It's called the International Society for Technology and Education, which is global. And so there's this coordinated effort between health, between government, between these public-private partnerships, and then these two entities, education, and then you have the technology piece all joining together. So when... You have so many questions. So do I. <laughs> when a child is given like a laptop through their public school, right? all of that data is being tracked and that information is being gathered in like a file put together on this one child. They can, uh, there's, there's so many ways that this material is being tracked. And then there's other programs that schools use. One is PowerSchool or Schoology. And that not only keeps information between teachers of their lesson plans, but also the child's personal information, their own 
you know, school file and incidences that may have happened at school. It keeps information on the child's family. And um, this the school-issued laptop actually came up uh, not that long ago. In my county, there was a big lawsuit, Spreckles. And what was admitted in this leaked audio of a journalist piece was that um, these teachers were were witnessing what the students were talking about in their private chats. And then the teachers from those private chats decided to start selectively inviting kids to the Gay Straight Alliance Club that they had created. Um, and so these chats, it's important for kids, if I would say for parents to understand that they it's important to teach our kids that everything they do on these computers is not private. Mm-hmm. You know, everything they search, everything. So the data collection then can be used as a targeting mechanism by in some cases, not all, but in some cases where kids could get targeted. Maybe they're expressing in their chats struggles with gender identity or feelings about someone that is confusing for them. Teachers, administrators can then target them, invite them to a club where those things can be discussed openly and kind of I, I don't know for a lack of a better term, like kind of grooming them that's toward, the word that toward a different path. Like whatever happens to you, like we don't talk about sex with anyone that's like not your parent. Like, I don't know, but it's weird to me, but that, that seems to be the trajectory that they're on. Well, I thought about, I mean, the word grooming came to my mind because I was a tomboy growing up and I'm, I think and, you know, like had all those weird kind of, you know, I'm I don't have a boyfriend yet. And I definitely like to fight more than I like to put on a dress. And so if I were to have been sharing my thoughts, you know, with through technology at that time with my best friend, instead of passing our little really folded letters, you know, <laughs> three class. rolls back, someone could have said, hey, why don't you come over? Never telling me that they saw my chat, but they could have invited me to a, an alliance or a gay straight club and then said, do you ever feel like, and used my own words. It's, right. It, this is what you're saying, right? Like I am understanding. Yeah. yeah. Right. And exploration is also something that is encouraged. Curiosity. In mm-hmm. And the clubs, uh, many people might think it's high school or including middle school, but it also incorporates at some schools elementary. So I want people to get a, continue to get a fuller picture here. I'm going to have Bob play a video. And as he plays this video, I want you to hear in your mind for, so we don't get a copyright strike. The theme from the TV show Friends. That's the song that's playing. That's the song that's playing. We're not going to play it, but we're going to play the, the video. What? We're not going to hear the audio. We're not going to hear the audio, but we are going to play the video. So you just sing along to the Friends song in your head as we watch this and then we're going to comment on it. This is from the Denver Health, the Denver Public School District. So there's your friendly greeters. They check you in. They check your vitals. I think this was during the pandemic. But they have a medical assistant there at the school. It looks like they can take your blood pressure, maybe, and your weight. Then they go in and... Here's a health educator, and you can talk about these topics to the health educator. And we're going to do a Zoom close-up of that little card she's holding in just a minute. But then we have a medical provider. So, and it's all confidential. It says on the screen, immunizations and anything else you need. 
Then you can go to the Denver health therapist and meet with him. Mental health treatment, substance abuse treatment, all there at your local public school. Now, Bob's going to scroll down and show us the little card that was in that Twitter thread. And so you can talk to that one helpful assistant about puberty. STI protection. Is that like sexually transmitted diseases? Sexually transmitted infections, yes. Okay. Um, so same. It used to be called STDs. Periods. Um, sexual anatomy. I think that says anatomy. Yeah. Consent, pregnancy, gender sexuality, or gender and sexuality, relationships and dating, contraception and abstinence, and talking with a trusted adult. So mental health services, most likely. Well, and, and this is interesting because... The whole model is marketed predominantly under dental care and eye vision supports, which sounds so inviting. But when you actually get to the, the crux of this, this is the predominant focus. It's sexual and reproductive health and rights. And then I, I want to draw attention to that trusted adult um, because what has happened in the education system, and this is one of those phrases that I would think uh, that stands out to me because of the marketing. So you have safe schools and safe spaces, and then you have trusted adult. Mm. And I had actually been given a, one of these cards about being a safe person that is provided by the National Education Association. And this card is encouraged to be worn by school staff. But this idea of trusted adult, it is a way to market that those who will affirm the ideology are to be trusted and that it automatically mm. creates this divide of anybody who doesn't is not trustworthy. Mm -hmm. That's not a trusted adult or same with safe space and safe uh, person. It, it immediately incorporates this, this divide of there's this idea that mm -hmm. some people and places are safe because they affirm everything, but then might be your parents, you know? And so that's the, the marketed model that is really a red flag for me. It, the idea of safe and trusted are safe and trusted by their definition, not by, you know, the the parent's definition, or I would even say maybe a definition we'd probably find in the dictionary. They've kind of taken the word safe and reformulated to be what they want you to think. Yeah, right. I do want to let people know that we are live tonight. And so if you're watching this at a roughly around 3.30 p.m. Pacific, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, you can put your questions in the chat and interact with us. So let us know what's happening. And um, yeah, I haven't seen any questions yet, but I just want to let people know that that's there. We are live right now. All right, we're, all right go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know what, now would be a good time to watch our ad from Maven, our, um, not CFBU, all the things sponsor. The next generation is growing up in a culture where authority is undermined at every turn. And we can find examples from every aspect of culture, whether it's government or law or politics or entertainment or law enforcement. Uh, the medical community, there's so many different areas where our young people are losing confidence in the authorities that are all around them. And the problem with that is that often translates into their view of God's authority. 
and in particular, their view of God's word as an authority. And so what we need to do for the sake of the next generation is we have got to rebuild the authority of God's word so that young people then look to God's word as a place of illumination, as a place where they can find out the truth about God and his world, and that will then light up the world around them and make sense of the world around them. We need God's word to illuminate our hearts and our minds so that we can see God's word as the appropriate authority on all matters of life and faith. And so I want to encourage you, if you are any kind of stakeholder in the life of a young person, be at the 2024 Maven Conference. Our theme is Illuminate, and we are going to help you to rebuild the authority of God's word for the sake of the next generation. Join us in Southern California on February 23rd and 24th. You can go to mavenconferences.com to register. Well, I encourage you to go check out the Maven Conference. There's going to be one next month at the end of February in Orange County, California. They're going to have one later in the year in Texas. And Monique's going to be speaking at their youth conference in Fort Myers, Florida. Fort Myers, Florida. So go check it out, mavenconferences.com. Okay, now, Kelly, some people are going to say, all right, you show me a graphic in New York City. We all know that they're just way off the map. It's a blue state, um, totally run by Democrats. It's not happening in red states. What, it, what say you? It's absolutely very much happening in red states. Um, I'm watching the expansion of community schools in Louisiana, um, Idaho. Uh, I had actually done a Twitter thread, alphabetized all 50 states. And just to show people to some extent that it's happening in every state. Wow. Um, there is a website, if everybody uh, listening types in, it's N as in Nancy, A, S as in Sam, B as in boy, E, NASB, N-A-S-B-E. And if you were to just search online NASB and WSCC for WISC, whole school, whole community, whole child, you can actually click on every single individual state and see how many ways the state aligns that you live in with these community schools. Pardon me while I take a note. <laughs> now, um, in fact, I dug this up from the state of Idaho, which many people would say is a very, very red state. Uh, yes, this is published on the United Way website, but talking about community schools. And so I want you to talk to us a little bit about the United Way connection. But uh, Bob, if you could scroll down a little bit here and we can see that uh, that was a little too far. I wanted to read a little bit of the graph. There we go. United Way of South Central Idaho is embracing the community schools model, bringing together nonprofit organizations, health and educational services school districts, and volunteers to enhance the availability of resources in locations and neighborhoods of high need. And once again, we have the word student educational success, health, and well-being. This is where it's targeted. Before we go on, can I ask a question? Are these school, are these community schools now being, like, will we not see these in Bel Air? Like, are we not going to see a community school in the area of the affluent? Are these only in, like, your 
poor neighborhoods. It is predominantly there first. See, that's some that's a mess. Well, I almost had that. Yeah, you almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> y'all, y'all know. <laughs> I mean, what a what a scam on the poor. Mm-hmm. What a way to you want to talk about a system. A systemic injustice, that's a systemic injustice when they are preying on the poor to transgenderize your poor kid. And who are the people who are in predominantly poor neighborhoods? Well, it depends on your state. I can't say that it's based solely by race because in a poor area in North Dakota, I'm sure they still gonna be white. Like I, I don't see many of us there, but like when we think of the poor, what are the injustices that are impacting the poor in our nation. I would say this is a complete injustice and it's systematized. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, the goal is to have 25,000 community schools by 2025. However, the ultimate goal is every school a community school. Including your rich ones. Eventually. But the predominant focus to get these going is in poor communities. And so it is uh, not only government dependent total system. But I mean, community schools, actually, you can trace these way back in history. Um, But in the United States, there was writings on them in the 60s and the 70s and even in the 80s. And one of the documents I read in the 80s was talking about how they first provided comprehensive health services Mm -hmm. and then added reproductive health care to avoid local controversy. So it's all about giving the pleasant thing on the exterior. The pretty words about student achievement. Dental care. And I care. helping low-income people. Correct. We want to be good people, so this is what we do. So yeah. the, the, the governmental elite are saying the transgender is made for thee, but not for me. Like the transgenderism, it should be pointed at my child, but not, I mean, at your child, but not my child. Yeah, mm-mm. that's what that's So why is this on thing. the U- United Way? Okay, website. so many people may not realize that there is a strong affiliation link with United Way and Planned Parenthood, mm-hmm. um, not just in the United States, but in other states. It was interesting because when comprehensive sexuality education really took off, when I was paying attention to it from December 2018 to the beyond, I started first looking in California, and then when I realized it was global, I started looking into other countries, but I started paying attention to Toronto Planned Parenthood, Hmm. and they produce some of the most graphic, explicit, horrific content uh, for children that was working in in coordination with United Way. So, yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, My mind is still blowing. Like... (laughs) Yeah, I need a time to gather myself. All right, so there's a question on Facebook. Can we can we do that real quick? Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, the one which, which based on a theology mom Facebook. Uh, I don't I don't know if I can find it back. Victoria. Uh, Victoria, do you still have it? She wanted to know: Are any of these like opt out programs? Like, I could just sign a paper. My kids in public school. I signed a paper. I don't want them involved in community schools. Right. Well. Um, if if your school turns into a community school, that that's going to make it far more challenging. Um, and then each state legislation is going to impact this as well. So, for example, in Washington state, the legislators already permit a 12 year old to obtain puberty blockers and hormones without uh, notification or consent of the parents. 
So in Washington State, they do have these community schools with school-based health centers. And a 12-year-old can already go to school and privately not even leave campus, just go to their campus school-based health clinic and start puberty blockers at age 12. But what, okay, I'm allergic to amoxicillin. So what if this medicine, this puberty blocker has something in it that my child is allergic to? Like they're not getting, you know, that child's medical records or full medical health screening. So how, like, are these just one size fits all puberty blockers so that nobody's going to be allergic to them? Like how are they? Well, and, and, you know, that's the crazy thing. Puberty blockers themselves are often, you know, it depends on which one is used, but they're often prostate cancer drugs. And um, the effects of these meds have been shown time and time again to cause harm. Once you start to mess sweep with the endocrine system, it is messed with. So there's many young- Oh, we can't just pause the button. And- yeah, they, they like to mark it and say, you just put a pause on puberty. Yeah. But long, you know, this is why Tavistock, uh, has actually closed because they they were finding that young girls, their spines weren't fully fusing together. You know, we're talking about kids whose organs weren't fully developing, um, other horrific things. And and that is just on the medically, the, the medical pharmaceutical side. We're not even talking about the surgical side, which is all very experimental. Um, there's a global organization called WPATH, which has been widely exposed on Twitter, um, but they're talking about surgeries and planning surgeries on kids young. We're talking 11, really young. Um, and it is not uncommon, you know, there's there's detransitioners coming out. Mm-hmm. But one of the challenges they face is they have so many health issues. Permanent damage. Right. Yeah. yeah. We have another... I, I could camp out there and we have to. I know. We, what, well, this, but, is, this is a lot. Yeah. I know. So <laughs> we have another headline um, from Twitter. Can you help us interpret this headline in light of the community school model? Um, what do you think is actually happening? Yeah, let's put it up here on the screen. So I think maybe you retweeted this earlier this week. Billionaires Melinda French Gates and Mackenzie Scott invest $23 million to promote school-based health centers. That's the headline. And um, this is Billionaire's Investment in School-Based Health Alliance, the leading national nonprofit that promotes the expansion of school-based health centers, substantially increases the alliance's revenue, which was less than $4 million in 2022. So what's what's happening here? Like, what would motivate billionaires like Melinda Gates to promote school-based health centers? So in this particular organization is one I have been looking at. I will have a story out on that uh, organization soon that helps people understand what's currently going on with community schools with some of the historical background. But it's it's important to note that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has been funding uh, sexual and reproductive health care mm-hmm. globally. There's yes. an organization people can look into called DKT International that's on the global level. There's many different funders. Um, but that particular organization that helps advance school-based health clinics is predominantly focused on comprehensive sexuality education. And what they would 
deem, which I don't, I don't think we should use this phrase, but this is their phrase, gender affirming care, Mm -hmm. um, which is really sex denying care and and not even care. Um, And then these, these groups are, are wanting to advance abortion and what they would call reproductive justice in their words. Mm -hmm. So it's important to understand the context. Again, we're marketed that school-based health centers are for all these comprehensive healthcare healthcare services. But the real focus is that, for example, in California, 12-year-olds for many years now can actually leave campus without their parents' notification or consent and go to a Planned Parenthood and get their services, which predominantly would include birth control, uh, you know, um, condoms, uh, even abortion. So a 12-year-old getting an abortion without mom and dad during the school day. Wow. But the goal of these community schools is to put the health clinic on the campus so the child doesn't have Have to to leave school. Yeah. Yeah. And then it also will include telehealth. On the CDC's website for this whole school, whole community, whole child model, there's actually a virtual healthy school, they call it, that you can walk into and interact with. And the marketing's very interesting to close in on and observe. But the health clinic, it actually shows the child's medical records and that can, you can click on it and it comes to the forefront of the screen and it shows the child's health records being kept at the school site. Again, without the parents there. Now they're already planning. um, It depends on each state as far as parents signing a form so that the child can go to the health clinic, Mm -hmm. but it's marketed to parents as a convenient thing. Like, hey, your child might have an ear infection. Mm -hmm. So sign this waiver so they can always come to the school healthcare, um, let's say in the event that you have to work. Mm -hmm. So it's all all about that. Um, This whole model is all in the ideology of it takes a village. And the interesting thing too, uh, just to note, who backs these models, the Communist Party of the USA, CPUSA, their website, you can go to their website, type in community schools, they advocate for community schools. Um, Democratic Socialists of America, Mm. especially down in Los Angeles, they put out demands demanding these community schools. And community schools themselves are even global. So to understand, yes, we're facing these things in our country. Yes, they're advancing. The funding's important to follow because that always tells a story. But this is a global agenda. There's the World Health Organization. Mm-hmm. And and they have documents called Health Promoting Schools. And then there's also the UNESCO Global Health and Education, which talks about these as well. So anyways, so a lot. Um, somebody's asking online, first of all, they're having difficulty hearing me, Bob. So I'm going to put Kelly's mic closer to her, and I'm just going to talk into this mic. And I moved it closer to me. Um, But the other thing is people were wondering about where they can best make comments. Uh, YouTube's always the best. Facebook makes it a little more challenging for us to see comments, but we're doing our best. Now, Leslie says uh, in Texas, her understanding is that they're pushing community schools into rural areas, underserved populations first. So that would be kind of like what you were speaking to earlier of, you know, in urban areas, but in some other areas, the poor might be living out in the rural yeah, areas. Yeah, it, would be, it so. would be an underserved, who are your underserved communities? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the underserved community can come in any in any skin color, but then there are specific definitions to what service is someone underserved in. Right, and I would say 
in in that um, for the funding, the grants, the funding that's coming mm-hmm. from the state and the federal level, they are targeting those communities first. And so, for example, the Biden administration is expanding funds for community schools. But here's the thing. Most of our members of Congress are not fully informed or aware of community schools because they're not calling the funding that. They're calling the funding mental health because they're mm-hmm. funding a component of the community yeah. school. Yeah. And then in each state, um, there's actually different funds like Title One, Title Two, COVID-19 funds went to community schools, ESSA, um, and then also ESSER funds. Um, so, yeah. I wanted to go back to the issue with um, Melinda Gates and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. In 2019, we actually had on Uju Ekeosha, she, I believe she's Ugandan, and she talked about um, abortion coming into Africa and coming in through the Gates Foundation. Yeah, she was on our show talking yeah, about it was, that. It was actually in January of 2020. And so I just want to highlight that for everyone so mm-hmm. you can go back and see that. I'm going to put the link in the YouTube comments. And if, Laura, maybe if you can grab that and share it in the other platforms, that would be awesome. Uh, since we're on the topic of mental health, let's watch another little video. Um, this is from our vice president explaining mm-hmm. about a new mm-hmm. program. For all of those reasons, I am proud to be here at this very school to make an announcement, which is that we are announcing $285 million as part of our administration's initiative to hire and train mental health counselors in schools. In North Carolina, 12 million of those dollars will be received, Mayor, um, which will include the ability and resources to hire 332 new counselors and nationally will help to hire over 14,000 mental health counselors for our schools who can do the kind of work which is to lead in group counseling sessions, one-on-one therapy, and student mediation, um, social and emotional lessons every day, and just provide a place where those who are trained to do this work can allow the students and the children to check in and to heal. So with all of that, again, um, and our announcement previously of over $6 million for students at, at, at schools in, in communities with high rates of gun violence, we are putting the resources where they are needed. More resources are needed, no doubt. But let's pay attention to this issue because we can actually do something about it. And we have the opportunity then to address what we know will otherwise be generational and intergenerational trauma. So there we have a lot of government money coming in to hire counselors, uh, supposedly under the banner of helping to relieve intergenerational trauma. Which is interesting. Sorry, but the idea of trauma, and I'm hoping to do more conversation on this soon, the idea of trauma has been so redefined Mm -hmm. by this entire mental health situation. The idea that we need to prevent trauma or assist with trauma, but trauma isn't the trauma that we would think about from 15 years ago. It's something completely different. But this sounds nice. It sounds nice, like, hey, let's hire an army of psychologists, social workers, people to help our children have better mental health and engage in, I heard her say, 
social emotional learning but that is kind of the camel's nose coming under the tent in a way because then Mm -hmm. you're down the path and then we're having christian parents having cps being called on them because they're not gender affirming yeah you know there's a document from 2014 from um, a government organization which i want to make sure i don't get it wrong it is um SAMHSA, which is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Admission and uh, Administration. And SAMHSA has actually, back in 2014, a long ago, they were already inserting gender ideology into the discussion, into everything that they were doing. So when you have mental health, it sounds, again, like you said, really good, but a lot of these school counselors, not not all of them are required to be even licensed. And so in mm-hmm. the state of California, this actually passed. There's probably going to be lawsuits to challenge this. But right now, a child can go and consent to meet with a mental health professional at school. The, the counselor does not have to be licensed. And then if that child expresses or has private conversations with this counselor. With the trusted adult. The trusted adult a safe person, they can decide whether or not the home, the parents are Mm -hmm. safe. And they can actually agree to send the child to off-campus housing, like a glitter housing community, so that that child can start being affirmed in the identity that's been cultivated, perhaps even on campus, like we talked about earlier, could be through a club. And uh, the parents would ultimately not have custody of their child. So this is This is definitely the government, uh, as I see it, inserting itself into the the life of the family in a very intrusive way. And then obviously, you you know, the intrusion also comes through data collection. I do want to mention one thing about this. Part of the community schools model is to work with these public-private partnerships. One private organization that's being ramped up is this um, parent home visit program where the goal is that every student in every grade, every school year gets a home visit. So that's the government, the staff mm-hmm. in the school entering the par- the child's home. Mm-hmm. And the things that they discuss doing is telling the parents how to, what is a nutritious meal and how to cook for the child, telling them uh, parenting ideas. I'm already seeing school districts put out information on how parents should parent their children. So it's very much... Uh, an intrusion as I see it. I was very show up at my brother's house. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like I should just put the address out there. Show up at my brother's house. That, it, okay, what is glitter housing? Yeah, because I do like glitter, but now I'm feeling <laughs> suspect. Yeah, this this is a, a highly concerning idea because it doesn't it wouldn't just house children, but we're talking about housing for LGBTQ plus, as they call it. And it would be housing to affirm that. But the concerns are that it wouldn't just house children. It could house adults as well. So is the child really kept safe? And this isn't a, a very well-regulated program either. So we're just getting into this place where, as I see it too, when when a child is growing up, they're being molded and shaped by the value system that is created in the family or at the church. Um, but... If the school becomes a place of, you know, infusing a a new value system, which is what I see social emotional learning Mm -hmm. being a big part of, 
it's in, it's the child being taught to neglect the value system of the church or the home, embrace the value system to conform to the government's ways, and then to move in that direction. And so what we have is when that starts to take uh, precedence over the family and, and usurp the role of the parents, then the child's being moved into a direction. I think oftentimes what you feed grows Mm-hmm. in that input on a regular basis. And so what it is so important for parents, I think, too, in this, because people might be watching and thinking, this is this is just madness, which I see it as that. Um, but it's so important that we teach our children what ways to go into and what to look for, mm-hmm. you know? Well, yeah. well, speaking of that, I want to highlight these health surveys. Again, oh, yeah, yeah. Because... As our vice president is talking about bringing mental health people, I'm not going to call them professionals if some of them aren't even licensed, I'll call them people. These health surveys that they give students, students don't know. They're just do whatever their teachers tell them. You want me to fill out this survey, fill in the bubble, all of this. I did a whole thing about this. If you go to my channel, um, Theology Mom, look for the social emotional learning crash course. And I go through one of these health surveys that a follower sent us and um, from a district in the Pacific Northwest. These are fairly innocuous. Sometimes they're given multiple times a year to students, but the student just obeys. One critical thing I think that Christian parents have to do is start telling their students or their children, if the school tries to give you a survey, don't do it. Don't take it. Yeah. And tell me about it. Like that's a very direct instruction that we can give a child. We can try to opt out of these laptops if we can, you know, um, I think there's, but there, there's increasingly fewer things that parents are going to be able to do in order to avoid this. Yeah. I was actually this morning at a training and one of the things they emphasize is that one parent had actually taught their children that if certain things were being discussed by a school staff member or a teacher to get up and walk out of the classroom. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually great advice. Go stand outside or go walk to the principal's office, say this doesn't align with my values and exit. Um, and I think just as you said, it were, were the opt out piece. One of the things that I encourage parents to advocate for with their legislators, with their school boards, is opt-in, because opt-in is much like a field trip. You have to learn all about it, what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going here, we're going to the apple farm, and you need to have your child bring a jacket and wear shoes for the dirt, and you know, all we whatever is going to be wear appropriate attire, and then. The parent knows all about it, and then they have the decision to sign to opt their child in. Mm -hmm. But most programs that we hear about, which is, I find ironic, comprehensive sexuality education teaches consent to children, which we know they cannot consent Mm -hmm. to sexual activity. Um, However, it is an opt-out program, which Mm -hmm. means there's no informed consent of the Mm -hmm. parent. So opt-in would actually require informed consent Mm -hmm. so they're the very people that you know wow so i i think what's another maybe another way of opting out of this is right the schools that say like hey sign up for this vision care or an eye check or something 
Like even if it's for the parents' convenience, don't don't get suckered into it. Yeah, because you might be signing away some of the the rights that you would have to other medical information later, and it kind of onboards the child. Right, and I the the schools are actually they talk about how in in some of the trainings I've watched how they plan to have these school-based health clinics, but they need a steady stream of clients. So they're actually encouraging their staff to market the clinic to the students to visit there. So they're going to be doing, hey, class, we're going to go do a tour of the new health clinic. Mm -hmm. And they do this in health class and other ways. Then they're training staff to refer children to that health clinic. It is imperative that parents are attentive to every piece of paper that comes home, and especially the handbook. But being able to discern and really inspect, like Mm -hmm. you're really closely inspecting what you're signing on to when you get that handbook home at the beginning of the school year. You talked about opt-in versus opt-out, which opting in would, you know, be parental consent and things like that. What is the role of parents' rights in this whole conversation? You had something posted on Twitter that we want to show. I'm just wondering if you can talk to us a little bit about... The role of parental rights. Yeah, we're going to play a short video here and then have you comment on it. Again, Denver School District. Denver wilding out these days. Yeah, sound is on. Hello there. I'm here to talk about confidentiality with you. Did you know your sexual health visits at Denver Health are confidential, even if you're under 18? It is Colorado state law that young people of any age can access sexual health services like birth control and STI testing without parents, guardians, or anyone else knowing If you go to a Denver Health school-based health center for sexual health services, we won't tell your parents, teachers, friends, or anyone else. This is your business, and you may decide to tell them, but we won't. There is one important exception to this. If during your visit, you tell the clinic staff that you are being hurt or have been hurt by someone, you are hurting yourself or thinking about hurting yourself, or if you are thinking about hurting someone else, that cannot be kept private or confidential. We have to keep you safe, and so we may need to talk with others about this so we can all work together to support you. The clinic staff you meet with should explain all of this to you at the start of your visit. There you can ask more questions. You You can always ask and make sure what you say is confidential too. This is your right by law so that you can access the health that you need and make your own. This is confusing because on one hand, it's like, we're not going to tell anybody. We're going to keep you safe. Then on the other hand, it's like, well, in in case somebody's hurting you, we're, we might have to tell people. What if I am 14 and I like the 47-year-old man I'm sleeping with? Do you now keep that a secret because I'm not being hurt and it's my truth? I'm not saying that anyone's hurting me. I just want to get contraception so that I don't get pregnant or, you know, I want to get tested or I, I got pregnant. Or do they tell and say, no, this is really out of bounds? How do we create a boundary when everything is so loosely defined and everything is out of bounds? Right. And we're advancing in that direction in every way. So I I think this puts kids at risk in a big way. I mean, and for you specifically mentioned, yeah. we won't tell your parents. We won't tell but, your but parents. But then they say that they will tell your parents. We're going to tell if you're getting hurt. But who's the determiner of me being hurt? Is it you or is it me? Because if I like who I'm sleeping with, I'm not being hurt. And you can't come in with your truth and tell me that I'm being hurt when my truth is the truth that really matters. Mm-hmm. You can't make this make sense. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. 
Well, you know, and I will say this, you know, I mentioned Planned Parenthood several times. Back in 2019, it was known that Planned Parenthood was going to open 50 health clinics in uh, Los Angeles area schools. Um, There was a Pasadena school district that actually voted to send a high school student as, um, you know, basically working, uh, volunteering at a Planned Parenthood clinic from the school district. So I... I've often said this because there is a huge connection between Planned Parenthood and community schools. So I refer to them honestly as a school to Planned Parenthood pipeline or sometimes a school to sterilization pipeline because these clinics, the way they're operating is very much in the same way that we would observe from a Planned Parenthood clinic. Another pipeline I've heard is the school to gender clinics, right? Pipeline Mm -hmm. that schools can recommend a child to a gender clinic behind their parents' back. And it's going to be a little controversial. It's going to kind of blow some people's minds. But sometimes these gender clinics are located in children's hospitals. And Mm -hmm. we think of children's hospitals as being very noble, helpful places that we want to support. But these can also be gender clinics that schools will refer students still. Absolutely. And and the Denver Health is an example of that because they're they're actual, the hospital that works in collaboration with the school has a whole gender clinic for young people, minors. This is rough. And I I think that some people I'm noticing on the stream, like they're, yeah, so Laura says, so Planned Parenthood, United Way, and the CDC are all connected. Oh, there's a lot of connections, including HHS, um, Health HRSA, and Human Services. Yes, yep. And and HRSA is another government entity. Um, but it is surprising over the years how much uh, Planned Parenthood has been involved. And I would say many of these organizations do receive money from you know H- Health and Human Services and. and in addition to the CDC. I think Jenny's making a really good point here on the YouTube. I'm not sure that they said they would tell the parents in the Denver video. They just said they would tell someone. Mandated report. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, that they'll but, tell someone. But I don't think that the video said, you know, if you're being harmed, we'll tell your parents. No, no, no. I, I'm sorry. And if I said that, I misspoke. Okay. What they're saying is that we're going to keep you safe and not tell anyone. Right. Okay. So you're in You're This is confidential. It's only between us. Unless as a mandated reporter. So a mandated reporter is someone who must report for the safety of the child. A mandated reporter um, reports in very significant or very um, strategic instances. It's when I say that I'm going to hurt myself. Right. When I say I am going to hurt someone else or when I say... I am being hurt. Those are the three instances in which a mandated reporter must act. So let's say I'm over here and I'm doing my thing and I'm I'm going to get my contraception. Are you 13? I'm, thir- I'm 12, I'm 13, you know, I'm doing my thing. Now I say that the person that they asked me, you know, so, you know, tell me a little bit more about your partner and things like that. Well, it's a 47 year old man. It's my, it's my best friend's daddy, whatever. Is that a problem? Because on one hand, I say I like it. I am not being hurt. Whether you, and as a mandated reporter, I would never go to that child's parent. There are protocol that must be established in which as a mandated reporter, you report. 
So because the, the goal is to do no harm and to keep the child safe at all times, I would follow that normal protocol. Now that would mean within a 24 hours, usually someone would follow up with that child's parent and the safety of that child. But who determines when that child is actually being harmed? If I come in and I say, I like this, I'm just here for my, my meds so that I don't get pregnant or some condoms. Are you going to let me go on my way? If it's or all about if consent. It's, if it's all about consent and my and, and confidentiality, or are you going to say, wait, you're sleeping with a 47-year-old and you're 12, someone is harming you. Who becomes the determiner or the, the moderator of of this harm because on one hand they're speaking out they're speaking out of both sides of their mouth they're saying we're not going to tell nobody it's your confidentiality even if you're underage unless we determine that you're being harmed so when should i trust and when should i not you have this safety badge but at some point i have to also understand that you're not safe because you're going to go and report to a social worker or somebody else that this person's harming me does that make sense yeah i mean i guess it all depends on if they still think that someone under particular ages can provide consent or not. I mean, that's a legal standard, but but the comprehensive sexuality education does seem to be programming children to say it's okay if as long as there's consent. I don't know. Well, and, and one of the things that I've been talking with parents about that's really important. So part of our story, our journey, which is a very long story for another day, but our youngest, when she was in kindergarten and then in first grade, she had a classmate who was threatening to kill her. And it was very graphic and very intense. I was always, you know, notified your child may be exposed to strep throat. Your child may have been exposed to lice. This went on for a year and a half and I was never told. And the reason why is California has a law that protects the child mm -hmm. at third grade or younger. So all of this occurred. Lots of things were happening at home and I was never told until it all came out. And I was start, you know, I started doing, when you start seeing things at home, what I did naturally is I tried asking questions, but then I also decided I'm going to volunteer even more. I'm already volunteering. I'm going to volunteer more. I didn't see anything, but all this to say, um, while it's important to understand school policy about how schools enact disciplinary action when there's issues among students, conflicts, it is really important to understand what is the disciplinary action of a school district if a teacher or as they're now having social workers or the school health clinic does something that's wrong. What mm -hmm. is going to be the disciplinary action if your child's given a wrong vaccine that they've already had at the school-based health clinic? Because there is this whole effort mm -hmm. with the health clinics to also increase vaccination, which again goes back to Melinda Gates and yeah. funding. Mm -hmm. Not only is, re you know, abortion her focus, but also vaccines. This is a lot. What uh, Do you ever talk to parents and they hear you and then they say, I don't believe you. I don't think it's just some BS. You, why you, why you got all the tin hat? Why you, you got to you you so, you be so fear mongering, yeah. you know, just God's in control. Like, you know, how do people respond to you in this information? I always, I always want to give out the web resources, the evidence, uh, give examples of what's happening in schools because you know, I am one of those people that I want to show the evidence. I want to cite the evidence and be able to quote directly from from the sources. And so, yeah, I've had conversations with a lot of different people. 
those who hear about community schools, they often fall into categories of either thinking they're amazing or not even ever hearing about them before. It's actually Mm -hmm. surprising to me how many people don't know about them. And like I said, a lot of our elected representatives at at the federal level, they don't know about Mm -hmm. community schools. Some of them do and some of them don't. But um, yeah, I think I think it's important, you know, to research some of these things and learn about them. Yeah. So that I I heard this this morning. I mentioned I was in a training. It's know, go and grow. So Mm -hmm. try and know the issues that are happening and then go and tell other people and try to engage and get involved Mm -hmm. and inform people and then grow so that you can help people, you know, learn more about this. Um, One of the things that I did want to show, is this a good time for this? Let's do it. Um, Back in 2019, this is actually from the California Teachers Association State Council. Whoops, it's kind of falling apart. The minutes. 2019, yeah, it's their minutes from their June 1st to 2nd program. So again, the California Teachers Association and the National Education Association State Council of Education program. So it says celebrate pride. But back in 2019, they had, um, which it's it's very small here. Here we go. It's kind of hard to see. This was, um, it says here, um, the committee moved without objection to take immediate action and approve new business item 6-19-12. The motion carried by a two-thirds vote. But I want to read this to you. CTA, the California Teachers Association, will write policy stating its support for trans students to have the same rights and decision-making abilities that cis, that is a name that I don't like to be called, but that is what they're calling cisgender, which means somebody who is attracted to the opposite sex. Um, So the same decision-making abilities that cis students currently enjoy in regards to making medical decisions about their bodies, sexual health, and mental health. So it says the rationale, current interpretation of California state law does not allow trans students to begin gender identity confirming hormone therapy without the consent of both legal guardians. However, it does allow for cis minors to receive hormones, for example, birth control. And listen to this, without the barrier of parental permission. And then it states this inequity of decision making Mm -hmm. forces some children to go through the wrong puberty Mm -hmm. and can negatively impact the Mm -hmm. child's mental health. So there's mental health again. The the wrong puberty. But that's the direct connection between because I was thinking, well, as a cis person, I wouldn't need to advocate for a different a different gender. So I was wondering what the 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 process was or the line was that allowed for that equity to come about. It's because I could, as a cis person, advocate for reproductive um like birth control. Yeah, like in uh, or condoms uh, or things like that. So now they, if they are identifying as LGBTQ plus, can advocate for their own method of gender care. Right. Right. And instead of taking away the option for birth control and condoms, they would rather 
affirm the LGBTQ plus ideology and allow a student to get gender affirming care. Yeah, I guess I'm done, folks. <laughs> so done. I, I think I want to encourage everyone to go follow Kelly Ski on Twitter so you can get all of her receipts. No, wait, hold on. And do, we, yes, do follow her. But I have another question. All right. Well, just a second. Let me <laughs> let me do the plug. Here. OK, <laughs> uh, uh, you can follow her at, at Kelly Ski on Twitter. And she is a research hound. She will post the receipts almost daily. And so if you really want to know what's happening uh, in the world of education, Kelly is a must follow. She is always my first person that I go look at to find out when I see somebody's retweeting Kelly, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, this is legitimate. And so she is the person that you need to follow. And then from her, you can find other people. But um, Kelly is well-connected and really the one who is going down the rabbit hole for us. So um, go give her a follow on Twitter. Okay, now go. Thank you. Wanted to give the strong plug. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just, it, it came to me. I know, so spirit was moving. We have no go grow. Yeah. Okay, and that that's for any parent, right? Yeah. What would you say to Christian parents? Like Christian parents who are in this and they're like, as a Christian, I'm not really sure what to do because the school board doesn't really care about my beliefs. Like there's no, you know, well, along those lines, Kelly made such a great point on the podcast when I had her on, on my podcast. I want to restate because it was so good is this is a, like a two front war. Like we're not suggesting abandon the public schools because this is an institution that helps bring stability and vision for our country and for the next generation. However, we can also acknowledge like this is not going in a good mm -hmm. direction. This this is not good. And our kids aren't safe. So it's not an inconsistent position of I will keep my kids safe now by homeschooling, but I'm not going to just completely abandon the public yeah. school project because there are people that that it serves who can't homeschool. And right. and so you're fighting you know, in your own personal life, you are fighting for a better well-being of public schools while at the same time, your children don't participate. Yeah, we were one of those families that exited the public school. Mm -hmm. um, at the end of 2019, from 2016 to 2019, we tried. We tried. We thought, okay, we, we did opt-outs with attorneys when the school uh, district changed the whole holiday concert program to sanitize not only Oh Come All You Faithful and rewrite the lyrics, but, you know, Frosty the Snowman got the boot, too. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but, you know, just there was little things like this, but then there was more significant things going on. We decided to exit, but it was clear to me, you know, th there was a reason I had learned. When I first started, I didn't know how to go to a school board meeting. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to engage in these conversations with administrators. I learned tools from other parents. I learned tools from leaders and different organizations, but then I also learned tools, you know, you hit a trial and error and then also trial and success sometimes. And so it, it, I have a burden in my heart to help others. And I think it's really important to help warn people. I feel like so sometimes when I see the intensity of these things, I know, for example, when the California Healthy Youth Act was implemented, there was a group of attorneys that met 
because they were really trying to think of ways to, you know, what can we do about this? But it was very much understood that a more successful case to challenge something like that would have to involve a victim. And to this day, I'm hearing so many stories about people whose children were in the comprehensive sexuality education class and immediately after. I've, I've watched entire school districts in my area change where kids are now, I will say the California Teachers Association. Kids are now what? They're identifying as all kinds of things. I mean, I had a, a family where a military mom told me that their their child in, in fourth grade told them th- that the child was pansexual. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so this is, this is happening widespread because kids are, I believe marketed, yeah. you know, in, in not just the sex ed, but there, there was a training that occurred that I I'm, I'm working on, but they did the, these 30, uh, 30 years of research of sex ed. And one of the speakers said, we want to reach the early elementary grades before cis heteronormative values and assumptions become more deeply ingrained and less mutable because that oh, is really I've seen uh, yeah I've yeah yeah seen that as well so that is really what they're striving for they want to reach kids young because they actually aim to change society as a whole um this stems from a lot of the ideas uh from queer theory and also sexual citizenship theory and lots of other mm. I- concerning ideologies but sexual citizenship. the the teachers union has resources one resource includes 75 different gender identities 75 mm-hmm. and so they're actively promoting this to children and and my burden as a homeschool mom with these resources with this ability to research that i have i want to help parents so i do research I have a sporadic podcast and then I'm also behind the scenes. I work with parents often. I take calls and emails from other states. I do trainings for people running for office. So in behind, you know, behind the scenes, I want to help people because information is the first step. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now, um, question uh, Jenny's bringing up here is because so many of the, the radical socialists and, and cause you, you made it, a comment earlier when we were watching one of the videos that the word whole is somehow tied into Marxism, but you're not even really sure. Well, <laughs> you just see it everywhere, you know? You know, um, James Lindsay had a podcast. He's got a podcast called New Discourses, and he did yeah. a bullet on holism. And he gets, he's very intellectual. And so he does explain it in a bullet podcast. But whole school, whole community, whole child there's all of these messaging models that that are about whole um, holism and even holon, H-O-L-O-N. So it's very interesting. I'm still trying to kind of wrap my mind around it in every way. But yes, I would for that. I okay. would tag team for change. So but <laughs> my point is, is that there's there's a lot of radical socialist ideology that's embedded in in all of this 100 percent, have you run into the idea of overtly deconstructing the nuclear family because that seems to be kind of behind a lot of this Mm -hmm. but have you run into that where there's an overt agenda to kind of abolish the nuclear family oh yeah there's absolutely i think um you know 
when it comes to, I mean, I remember NYU Press Blog had actually this article about COVID-19 that I had posted a while ago, probably years ago now, but they were talking about how this is, this is really a time to, you know, challenge the whole nuclear family idea. And then BLM at school is advancing their ideas mm-hmm. of what the family is. And there's this, it, I guess, really chosen family is a big thing in mm-hmm. schools. And I have uh, received actually a training from a teacher credentialing program in Utah where teachers are being credentialed and encouraged to say, these are our kids, these are my kids. But it used to always be, these are my students. All right, class, we're going to start our discussion. And this is my student, so-and-so. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, these are my kids. These are my babies. And this is the language they're adopting. So, yeah. <laughs> you know what? All right. Are we going to land the plane there? This was, this was a lot. <laughs> this was a this, lot. This was a lot. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's golly. Well, if, you know, one of the things that I tell parents is that, you know, I'm going to be working more to build some resources out there for parents because, you know, simple things like that opt in, opt out. I, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like going into a new environment and trying to understand all the inner workings. Mm -hmm. So I had a group of parents and we were going to these school board meetings. And at one point, the superintendent stated, we will no longer allow public comment on ethnic studies or critical race theory. And so all these parents left the meeting and they said, well, we gave it our best shot. And I said, in response, I said, do you believe that what the superintendent stated in the public meeting was true? And they said, well, why wouldn't it be? He's he's stating this as his superintendent. And I said, well, this is where you contact a law firm and ask them. So the group contacted law firm, the law firm sent a letter And it was amazing. At this next school board meeting, the superintendent said, I've decided I've changed my mind. I'm going to allow public comment Mm -hmm. on (laughs) Mm -hmm. these topics. So at any rate, knowing your rights is important. Knowing every little detail to question. It's kind of, you know, I do this with parents in analyzing curricula, for example. Um, I'll tell parents, pause frame the video. See what, you know, there's these amaze.org videos. And I tell parents, listen for the marketed model. Look on the background of the illustration. What do you see on the wall? What's the character's dialogue like? What's the tone? Start to reel back and not be the viewer, but imagine you're the creator of the content and you're also marketing and PR. So what messages can you pull from this and extract that are being fed to your child at any rate? That's so good and so helpful. I think I want to maybe have you back on my podcast sometime soon and just have you even do like a little training on how to go to a school board meeting or how to talk to a teacher. Yeah. And, and, you know, just continue to equip people along those lines, because I feel like that's just a whole nother avenue that we could go down. Yeah. So and as far as Christian churches and Christian parents, I do think you know, it's a great opportunity. Churches are going to need to minister to the people hurt yeah. by the school system. Yeah, for sure. And and I do think, um, you know, when I was growing up in church, churches did things about, you know, finances and, and marriage mm-hmm. and the family. And, and this is another area that it doesn't necessarily have to be labeled political, but it's really God's design for the family. How do we build up the family? How do we, you know... 
protect our kids. Yes. Which, if I can plug one yes. thing. Um, so there's a mom, Erin Friday, and she's been working with many other people. They have done lots of studies and they show that Democrat, Republican, and independent, so for the sake of just understanding, people by and large don't embrace this gender ideology in California even. And so the goal is to get signatures and uh, you know gather funds for them to get these three ballot initiatives so it goes to the voters in California. The ballot initiatives was Save Girls Sports, uh, Protect Girls Spaces. So we're talking about locker rooms and bathrooms, and it would prevent this pharmaceutical and surgical mutilation, I would mm-hmm. call it, of children, this sex-denying medical experiment on children under 18. So protectkidsca.com is really taking this initiative and you can go to protectkidsca.com to download signatures to gather. There's a video, there's lots of resources and information. Very good. And that's a good place to land the plane because this is a lot. We do look forward to all of your comments and feedback and go follow Kelly because we know that there's a lot to process. I'm so glad you were here in person yes. to yes. do this. Me too. You, you were in town too. and um, just being able to have this conversation because, uh, like you said, a lot of people aren't even aware of community schools. Mm-hmm. And it, it really is, like you said, the triangle at the beginning of the social emotional learning, comprehensive sexuality education, and the critical the critical social theories kind of form this little homogenous soup yeah. of the community schools. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Natalie has a comment. She says, I'm a teacher and I call them and I call them my kids. I love them. I can see how that could be a problem. Yeah. Like we know Natalie and yeah. Natalie wouldn't be like this my kid. You yeah. know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But she it's more never... of that broader like and, and that's the thing. It's that, you know, there are really good people and teachers out there who are like i'm glad natalie's out there yeah they love their kids and you know they really want to see the best for their kids but then you also get the other side of that where it's nefarious and where it's it's someone who is mentally challenged and has no true good for your kid except for the gender ideology and they are meaning that is my child yeah Well, thanks for coming. Thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Yes. So it's good. All right, friends. Next week, we're dark. So there will be no show. But in two weeks, Kelly's friend, Dr. Jay Richards, is going to be on our show. And it will be live again. Yes, it will. And we will sort of be continuing this conversation as we talk about the World Economic Forum, which has been going on this week. Stay crazy for real. And that <laughs> is just sort of more of the same. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of interconnections there. So uh, Jay Richards will be here. I've been trying to get him on the show for four years. I finally got it. Yeah. So you got Jay. Yeah, we're going to be talking <laughs> about the World Economic Forum and all of that. So two weeks, mark your calendar. It will be a live show. And big thanks to the one and only Bob the Button Pusher, Bon Traeger, for making this work today. It is not our usual setup, and he has spent the week making sure that we all could fit our spaces small and that we would be able to be picked up in sound and lighting yep. and all of that. You got you would be like very interested in understanding how it, difficult it is to light my skin color 
versus their skin color and make it all work that at we're the, on same the same time camera. all at the same time and so i just want to say thank you very much to bob for making this happen we appreciate yeah. you all right that, folks we'll see you in two weeks bye thanks for listening to all the things be sure to subscribe to our website at all the and find us on youtube facebook Instagram, or wherever you stream your podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and the bell so you'll receive alerts when we post new shows. We'll see you next week.